Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to episode 97 of the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. There's a mystery at the heart of the UK economy. It's the exact whereabouts of banknotes worth around £50 billion. The National Audit Office revealed the number of notes in circulation has soared. I mean, the whole point about notes is that you know they're they're anonymous and you know you don't you don't know who holds them you don't know why they hold them you don't know where they are but that's that's not necessarily a, a problem I mean potentially all of the missing banknotes could be taken up in the shadow economy because if there's you know sort of 50 billion pounds in cash missing it's only got to change hands four times a year and it's all there 50 billion 50 billion. There has, there has to be more at play here. This week on the podcast, a crack team of witch journalists will be delving into unknown territories to solve the mystery of the UK's missing £50 billion. I'm talking about the banknotes that aren't being used in everyday cash transactions, nor are they in bank accounts. And yet they make up nearly three quarters of the total £76.5 billion in circulation. So where on earth is all this cash? Really, the crux of the matter is that the Bank of England simply doesn't know. So over the next half hour, you'll be hearing from witch journalists Ian Aikman, Kim Carver and Danielle Richardson as they search for the answer, each taking a different route to explore the missing parts of the economy in the hope that together they'll find all of it. First up, it's Ian Aikman who's taking it global. We are witch. So I'll just jump right into my theory. What if I told you that a big chunk of the missing 50 billion pounds isn't even in the UK? I'm not talking about a gang of criminals loading it into a van and smuggling it across the channel. Although I kind of wish I was because that would be really fun to investigate. But no, what I'm talking about is normal everyday tourists visiting the UK and bringing pounds sterling that they took out but didn't spend back home with them one by one over the years. Individually, they might not bring back that much, but over time, it could add up. To test this theory, I spoke to Witch Money's resident globetrotter, editor Jenny Ross. Hello, Jenny. Hello. Can you tell me about the last time you went on holiday? Oh, I'm going to have to cast my mind quite far back, Ian. If we're talking about um, going abroad, obviously, like most people, um, that will have been pre-March 2020. So in my case, it was 
a jaunt to Albania in January 2020. And very nice it was too. What currency were you spending while you were there? Oh my goodness, you are testing my memory. This is terrible. Um... (laughs) We looked it up and found out it would have been lek. So you were spending your lek. Did you take any out in physical cash? I did. And do you have any of it left now? I don't think I do, no. You spent all of it? Yeah, we had a great time. It was okay, it was a holiday okay. in. We didn't want to take any money back home. Wait a minute. Do, so do do you ever take money back home? Um very very rarely because um because I normally have a good time on holiday and I'm not I'm not scrimping. I've budgeted beforehand so I make sure make sure I use what I've set aside. Okay. Okay, that's very interesting because my entire theory has just fallen down for this 50 billion, where this 50 billion pounds might be. Ian, I think I could probably confess to having about maybe 10 pounds worth of um, of Chinese yuan floating around, a few, probably a bit more in euros, maybe about 20, 20 euros. Um, and definitely um, some Bulgarian currency, which I think is Lev. 50 billion, 50 billion. That's a lot of unused sterling from from holidays, right? Yeah, maybe. It seems unlikely. There has there has to be more at play here. So maybe Jenny's not the biggest supporter of my theory. And to be honest, I don't blame her. Here's what I found when I searched through my own foreign currency piggy bank. Huh actually a lot of um british coins in here it's uh a lot of two p's 50 p's <gasps> sherlock holmes 50p that takes me back that's a good one not a lot of foreign currency though you get the idea but the more i think about it the more this theory makes sense according to visit britain 41 million tourists came to the UK in 2019. If each of them took back only a single £5 note, that's £205 million already. But still, as Jenny said, £50 billion is a lot of money. Could this really be the answer? I did manage to find some hard data from the post office. According to a study they published in March, there is £3.5 billion in foreign cash currently being held in Britain. This is from holidaymakers who either forgot they had it or are storing it for future trips. It's mostly euros, some of it's US dollars. But here's the bit that really surprised me. Half of the holidaymakers surveyed were holding foreign currency, and of those, the average they had was equivalent to £155 each. That's a lot more than what me and Jenny had combined. Now, I tried to use these post office figures to work out how much tourists coming to the UK might have left over in their homes on average. I really tried. But there was just no way to do it without tarnishing Witch's reputation for rigorous research and, you know, basic accuracy. But still, if there's £3.5 billion in euros and dollars sitting here in the UK, who's to say there's not at least a few billion pounds sterling sitting abroad waiting to return? I'm just saying, maybe some of the 50 billion isn't missing at all. Maybe it's just on holiday. 
Thanks, Ian. It's amazing how you got there from coin counting, but I have to say it does seem plausible. I obviously had to check my own reserves of travel money when I heard your investigation. And actually, I had less than expected, which raises some questions about where that's got to. But I also found a couple of £5 notes stashed away, and they had the AA serial number, which means they were some of the first printed and possibly, hopefully, worth more than face value. But it made me think that collecting too, it's a whole other territory we could explore. And as we've talked about on the show, coin collecting or numismatics is very much thriving today. If you haven't heard our coin collecting episodes, I'd really recommend going back and having a listen. And coincidentally, this is very much Ian's expertise. But for now, on to our next investigation with Kim Carver. Here, find out how much the UK might be saving in cash and not putting in the bank, as Kim uncovers the vital role banking services play in our lives today and the severe impact it can have for the people who are financially excluded. So I've been trying to figure out how much of the missing £50 billion has been stashed away in cash savings. The Bank of England doesn't have any figures showing exactly how much money is stored as under the mattress cash, and it's told me there's actually no way of finding out, so my search has already somewhat failed. However, I've taken a deep dive into finding out who could be holding the missing cash, the unbanked phenomenon, and why access to cash is so essential. My first interviewee, independent economist Julian Jessup, says the whole point of notes is that they're anonymous. You know, you don't you don't know who holds them, you don't know why they hold them, you don't know where they are. But that's that's not necessarily a, a problem. Although lots of people are holding more cash than usual for precautionary reasons, as Julian notes. I think I think it's just a sort of natural consequence of an economy where people are, you know, wanting to hold cash because they're nervous about what might happen with the pandemic uh, and because there's no opportunity cost of doing so because interest rates are so low. People with all these notes are, are likely to be people who, who do have bank accounts. It's just that they, they'd rather hold the money in cash now rather than put it in the bank. But what about the people who hold cash because they face barriers to opening a bank account? According to Julian, this can't be much of a contributing factor to the large chunks of missing cash. The, the rise in the, the amount of you know, cash in circulation is is next to nothing to do with asylum seekers or homeless. I mean, these are people who do not have large amounts of money. Full stop. So they can't. That that doesn't doesn't explain it. It's it's more people who actually probably do have money and are simply choosing to hold that money in cash rather than in their own bank accounts. This doesn't mean there isn't a problem here. According to the Financial Conduct Authority's most recent data, 1.2 million adults, that's 2.3% of the UK population, were unbanked in February 2020. There are many reasons some people may not have bank accounts. I spoke to Maxine Pritchard, Head of Financial Inclusion and Vulnerability at HSBC, who highlighted some of these. Unfortunately, there are there are certain groups in society and, and people that are experiencing... Um, <sighs> Many, many different circumstances, including homelessness or um, victims of um, trafficking, um, who may historically not have been able to to get access to a bank account. Theoretically, basic bank accounts are available to everyone. But the reality is that many people need a form of identification, which they may not have access to, so they can't actually open one. That's why HSBC came up with a slightly different solution. In 2019, 
It partnered with homelessness charities Shelter and Crisis to provide such individuals with access to basic bank accounts without the need for photo ID or proof of address. In partnership with the Salvation Army, it also launched a scheme to provide bank accounts for survivor bankers, i.e. victims of human trafficking and modern slavery. HSBC UK has so far opened 800 accounts under its no-fixed-address service, with over 50% of these openings taking place during the COVID-19 pandemic, and a similar number for its Survivor Bankers initiative. For some, they've never had a bank account. So um, we provide literature and, and, and spend time with the individual to explain how a bank account works, how, how you can set up direct debits, where you can get free cash from, all of those kind of things. Um, so, so we really make sure that the individual is, is well supported when they open an account with us. Financial and economic abuse is another reason people may have to hide away their cash out of fear. I spoke to Dr Nicola Sharp-Jeffs, founder and chief executive of charity Surviving Economic Abuse, about this issue. People who experience economic abuse are often restricted from having access to a bank account. And the reason that is the case is because an abuser wants to create dependency on them and they don't want the partner or family member to be financially independent. So not having a bank account is a really effective way of a perpetrator creating economic dependency so that the victim you know, really is dependent on them and can't survive without them uh, because the perpetrator wants to stop you know, a family member or, or a partner from leaving. So a lot of victims and survivors have to put money aside, uh, often very secretively, so the abuser is not aware that they're doing that. So we know a lot of victims and survivors, for example, might be given money to go out and do the shopping. And sometimes they might um, put a little bit of the change aside, you know, small amounts here and there that the perpetrator doesn't recognise are going missing, but which over time can add up. So part of our safety advice would always be to you know, bank with a bank that the perpetrator doesn't bank with. And there's you know, a number of um, tips and um, safety kind of um, suggestions on our website around how a survivor of economic abuse could safely open a bank account and you know, have that independence either when they're still with an abuser, they might be saving up to leave, as I've already mentioned, or maybe in preparation to actually leave um, so that they can then apply for benefits and have that income paid into their account or, or, you know, have employment and similarly be able to have their wages paid into a bank account. While access to bank accounts is essential, on the flip side, access to cash is also crucial in many circumstances. Well, one of the things that's really important for us and that came out of the cost of COVID report, which we did um, following uh, sort of coming out of lockdown, really. So exploring economic safety needs during the pandemic is um, just recognition of the importance of cash, actually, because, um, you know, obviously everyone's been encouraged to kind of make contactless card payments at the moment. And certainly some victims and survivors prefer to operate um, in cash. So even if they do have access to a bank account, they prefer to use cash because it can't be tracked and monitored um, in a way that more formal ways of managing money can be. There are two and a half million people in the UK who are reliant on cash to pay for essential products. A further seven million people say they would struggle without cash, according to our own research. Julian is concerned about people in rural areas, for example, who may not have access to cash points anymore because they've closed. Or another reason could be that they may have rubbish broadband, so it's harder for them to bank online. But also, of course, the increasing number of older people as the population ages. Uh, plenty of people, of course, are, who are not familiar with modern technology, who are much more cautious, who you know prefer dealing with cash rather than 
uh, rather than apps on phones that they probably don't have. Um, so I'd, I'd be worried that if we got rid of cash altogether, then there are lots of people in these areas and, and you know, demographics who, who would be suffering. I think that's where my biggest concern would be. We want the government to urgently introduce legislation to safeguard access for cash-dependent consumers. Check out our Freedom to Pay campaign to find out more about our mission to protect cash. In my search to find out how much in cash savings is stored away, I found there are so many reasons why people could be holding on to it, some of which are truly unfortunate. But as it's so varied and widespread, I'm unable to put an exact number on it. Thanks, Kim. And if you've been affected by anything in this section, there are a number of charities you can turn to for support, including the one we just heard from there, survivingeconomicabuse.org and citizensadvice.org.uk. And now for part three. Keep listening for Danielle Richardson's fascinating investigation into the shadow economy, where she explains how criminal activity and so-called dirty money could actually be to blame for the missing billions. It might sound more like something a special ops team would investigate on Line of Duty. He's your Ben Copper for the 21st century. But the shadow economy is a very real thing. You might have been involved with it yourself without even realising. And pretty much every country in the world has one. Due to its secretive nature, it's hard to tell just how big the UK's shadow economy actually is. But some experts have estimated it to be around 9-12% of GDP. If that's the case, we're looking at around £200 billion per year. But not all of that money is unaccounted for, so I won't celebrate finding the missing banknotes just yet. To dig a bit deeper, I spoke to Jason Piper, Head of Tax and Business Law at ACCA, the global body for professional accountants. I mean, the shadow economy, which is sometimes also called the underground or the informal economy, or even sometimes just the cash economy or cash in hand, it basically refers to all the economic activity which ought to be reported for tax purposes but isn't. You may think only shady characters exist in the shadow economy, but it can also include some legal activities. So things like um, cash jobs, second informal jobs and so on, um, as well as outright criminal activity such as the drugs trade um, and fencing stolen goods and so on. The main reason we're looking into the shadow economy as the source of the missing banknotes is that it primarily operates using cash because it's easier to hide and much more difficult to trace. Historically, it's been the obvious choice. And this is, as I say, sometimes you'll hear the term cash in hand economy used as interchangeable with the informal economy. Um, And it remains incredibly useful. Um, I mean, unless notes are deliberately marked and you know exactly where they got into the system, it's almost impossible to trace their path from one person to another and prove where they've come from. Um, so, yeah, unless people are going to barter with each other, cash is the obvious way to do it rather than using the um, formal banking system. Of course, during the coronavirus pandemic, the use of cash has massively decreased, with many shops and retailers only accepting card payments. However, Jason doesn't think this will hinder the shadow economy, which will either continue using cash or find new ways to operate. I mean, obviously, the pandemic has had a huge impact on many sectors of the informal economy, both in terms of supply and demand. Um, But just as with the wider economy, there are other four more fundamental factors at play. Um, Before COVID kicked off, uh, we've been having discussions about the digitalisation of the economy. 
and how that's reshaping what people want and how that's produced. Um, I mean, there's been an explosion in service sector jobs around delivery um, as shopping habits have moved online. Now, at the margins, much of that is going to be unreported second jobs. Uh, but similarly, the vast amount of that is actually happening online and through electronic transactions anyway. And yes, COVID has, has sped that up a bit, but that was already happening. COVID has perhaps accelerated that trend, but it hasn't directly affected notes in the same way. And certainly when the Bank of England tried to look a little more closely into which areas had been affected, the drop-off in use of cash was highest in places like London and the big tourist centres, um, so places like the Yorkshire Dales. In more deprived parts of the country, the drop-off in cash was far, far less steep. Back to our missing banknotes. How much of the £50 billion could feasibly be hidden in the murky depths of the shadow economy? I asked Jason for his best estimate. I mean, potentially all of the missing banknotes could be taken up in the shadow economy. Um, because if there's, you know, sort of £50 billion in cash missing, it's only got to change hands four times a year uh, and, and it's all there. However, we know that some of that 50 billion is people saving in the UK, and we know that that actually went up as a result of the pandemic. But equally, it's possible that there are UK banknotes being held abroad as stores of value. It's really interesting to think about the spectrum of informal cash use, right from cash in hand jobs or paying in cash at market stalls to illicit activities. And during this episode, we've covered so much ground, calling into question what it means for these banknotes to be missing, and actually whether we should really be calling them missing at all. Well, to help us bring it all together, I'm joined remotely now by Ian, Kim and Danielle. Thank you all for joining us. Firstly, it was amazing seeing your investigations unfold and where each one took you and, and how much money could be missing there. So let's start here then. Did you find all of the missing money? Okay, I'll go first because um, my investigation was first. Uh, I, I did try some maths at one point and I became extremely confident that I had found all of the money and perhaps more. And then I thought about that maths for a while and I slept on it and I realized it was very wrong. And the truth is, I don't know exactly how much I found. It's probably a few billion, but it's definitely not the whole 50. Yeah, with with mine, like there's absolutely no way of finding out how much money people have in cash savings. I mean, if you think about it, you'd probably have to go to extreme measures like asking every single person in the UK to disclose how much cash they hold and trust that they're being honest about it. And that's just the notes in the UK. So I just I just don't think it's plausible. Well, I'd really like the record to show that uh, my expert, Jason, said all of the missing banknotes could very well be part of the shadow economy. So... I think I found it. It's a really good point, Danielle. But all of your theories do sound very plausible. I just don't know how the Bank of England would ever be able to keep tabs on these areas. And this brings me to the big question, the billion pound question, if you like. Is there really a need for this money to be found? What kind of effect does banknotes being so-called missing have on the economy? I think it's interesting to see the exact statement that the Bank of England put out when a group of MPs last year challenged them and said that they seemed um, that they were not curious enough about where the money was. Uh, the bank's spokesman said 
Members of the public do not have to explain to the bank why they wish to hold banknotes. This means that the banknotes are not missing. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And one of my interviewees, Julian, made a really good point in saying that notes are available to be spent anonymously. And when they're spent, that creates activity, that which creates jobs and so on. So the fact that we don't know exactly who holds them or why at any particular time is neither here or there. So the Bank of England hasn't stressed a need to find the money, which I understand in terms of how much cash you're holding at home in savings. But what about the money lost to the shadow economy? Is the government trying to crack down there? Well, when it comes to unpaid tax, the government is often trying to bring in uh, new ways to crack down on that, of course. Um, But it's not as much of a problem in the UK as it is in many other countries. Um, For instance, Jason mentioned that in some African countries, the shadow economy there is worth 80% of GDP, which is absolutely huge. And if no one's paying tax on that money, then that's a real problem for the government. Oh, it sounds like we really need to bring you back to find what what would be the missing trillions um, worldwide. But I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap it up here. We could easily keep discussing this, but it's been brilliant hearing your investigations and talking about the bigger picture. Thank you so much uh, to all of you for coming on the show. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Witch Money podcast. If you've got a comment or question on anything we've mentioned today, please let us know in the comments wherever you're listening to the podcast or on social media at Witch Money. And as always, for more money news and advice, head to witch.co.uk forward slash money. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was produced and edited by Rob Lilly. Mm-hmm.